Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. At Sif Pop, we're your movie friends. And are friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop writer, Alex. Heyo! Alex, uh, we write for ZipPop.com, uh, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure you check out the website, ZipPop.com, to keep up with those. By the way, Alex got a, a review coming up this month to the site. You'll be taking over Spiral, so uh, be on the lookout for that whenever that hits theaters. I think it's the 21st. Could be wrong. Sounds right. Either 14th or 21st. One of those. It's two. not the 14th. I know that oh. for sure. Oh, so, okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, today's show, we'll talk about uh, two coming attractions. We'll talk about... Um, the uh wrath of man and we'll also talk about the woman in the window um so w titles is apparently the thing this week um let's see may 14th wow okay um you were right well i'll talk about that next week on the coming attraction (laughs) um so yeah may 14th uh spiral check out his review on the website should be up probably the 15th or 16th um but uh anyway woman in the window and wrath of man uh we'll be talking about today uh, and then we'll be um, taking a look back at Shrek 2 because obviously uh, we did Shrek 1. Uh, was that like October last year? September maybe? It, it was either – I thought it was sooner than that, but it's, it had to have been like the third quarter of the year. I know that. Well, when it, you, we talked about American Pickle, so it was whenever American Pickle came out. That sounds like late – that sounds like August. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we'll uh, we'll talk about Shrek Two for a hot second. When we're done with that, we're gonna Alex and I were both at the Sposcars, and we're recording this about a week after the uh, Oscars. And I realized that we've had an episode of Sip Pop Writers Room come out since then. And I don't know if people are really talking about the Oscars a week and a half later, but we're gonna talk about the Oscars a week and a half later. Uh, mostly just our opinion on the best uh, uh, picture winners. Um, or Best Picture nominees. Sorry, there's only one Best Picture winner. Um, <laughs> but we'll t- talk, talk briefly about them since we marathoned them at Aaron Dicer's house. Um, and we'll just uh, give our brief, brief thoughts on that. And we'll wrap up with a spinoff quick recommend or one from each one of us. But uh, as always, let's get a chance to get reacquainted with our writer this week. Um, Alex, what do you think is the most important thing in a movie? Uh, aside from it being a good movie, that's just one. But uh, w- one thing that I always find important. Uh, what was it? Wait, what was the question again? Well, what is a good movie? Right? What makes a good movie? What makes a movie good? Oh, uh, it's got to be. There's a lot that goes into making a movie. That, like, as a person who doesn't make movies, I do have an you know an interest there. But when you stand back at as a whole, the production itself, there's a lot of things that go into it. That if one thing is off, you know could kind of ruin the movie and honestly i think that if you just have good direction and just good people behind the lens you can make something out of nothing yeah so that's so like direction cinematography that's kind of your that with a mixture of writing if you if you at least have those three down i, I can see everything working at least you can bring what you can to it okay 
yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, really, movies is always about a combination of several things. But yeah, I just uh, I like that question because it's like, what's that thing that you really you really um, kind of notice? Um, yeah, like like I've said, I think uh, mine is just it has to be um, just has to be characters um i watched a movie that we might talk about later in the spinoff that just has characters that i just don't care about uh, and so consequently i didn't care about that movie <laughs> um <laughs> but uh, actually i could say that about like three or four movies i watched this week but uh anyway um so we're gonna do uh one more question and that is uh, alex what is the best thing about being a movie lover just experiencing something new every single time. I, I love every time a new movie comes along because I watch a lot of them just like everybody else who, you know, loves movies. And the best part about it is always when you come across something that kind of does something different that you're not used to, even if it's a lot of the same, just using the tools and, you know, giving the execution a whole new way is the best part about it to me. It's what I love. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Um, there is something really special about um, the experience of watching movies with others. So, oh yeah, um, yeah, just uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, and then I have one more like random non-movie related question for you, and that is um, when uh, when scrolling through social media, uh, do you prefer to see posts from friends, from celebrities, or from news sites? Typically from friends, I don't mind celebrities if as long as I like the celebrity. Yeah. Because you know, that's why of course I'll follow them. And news sites, the only time I ever like to see news sites is when it's actual news, because like you'll have like film clickbait share something that obviously isn't news that news art you know, a news outlet will put out and I'm like, I yeah, I don't know why they're counting that as news, but they are. <laughs> and True. so I I'm definitely just going to go for what friends post. That's where I've been having the most fun recently on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree with you there. Um, I think there is something fun about seeing, uh, you know, like certain celebrities tweet, like, uh, you know, I think Ryan Reynolds is particularly good. Uh, Anna Kendrick is always either something quirky or um, promoting a new movie. seems like contracts, you know, um, but, uh, and, and she tweets like once every like eight months, you know, Um Bo Burnham just tweeted out announcing that he's doing a new special, which is awesome. Cannot um, wait. Yeah, like I, I don't really care too much about celebrities. Though. I don't even think I follow, but probably like eight celebrities on Twitter, um, and it's mostly they got to make me laugh. And um, I do like the news sites, but at the same time, I feel like I feel like kind of just what you were saying. How there's a lot of uh, news sites that like are posting a ton of stuff that just isn't news that I just don't care about. Um, so yeah, I just don't don't super care and a lot of times it's things that i'm seeing four or five places over like you know i've stopped following a couple people on twitter because i never really cared to follow them anyway but like then all of a sudden like when things would happen like you know um each week when falcon and the winter soldier would come out or wandavision would come out or um uh or you know when Watchmen was coming out or uh like hall h at san diego comic-con or the dc fandom like anything like that people are just like tweeting about their own things and retweeting what other people say are saying which is the exact same thing that they said it's just kind of annoying you know yeah. so um yeah 
I so it's it's always it's always the people that I know. It's always the you know the people, um, the yeah the people that I love specifically Sif Pop people. Go follow them on Twitter. So. For sure. Cool. Um. Good. Well, now that we've gotten all that out of the way, hey Alex, I want to throw you a curveball. Um. As I as I was doing a brief look um at the release schedule, um there are four movies coming out on May the fourteenth. Um, wow. Right, because we got the woman in the window hitting Netflix, and we've got those who wish me dead hitting theaters, and we got um the army of the dead, which is the the new Zack Snyder one, uh, hitting Netflix, and we got Spiral. But we also have The Wrath of Man, which is today. So how do you feel about also throwing Spiral in this mix? Let's do three. I'd love to. Let's do it. Yes. Awesome. Because next next week we'll do uh, Army of the Dead and uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead. So it'll be Dead Week, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, which is fitting because actually next week is Dead Week at universities, but <laughs> at least uh, University of Iowa. But uh, yeah, so the... Um, uh, synopsis for this, uh, we'll start with the wrath of man because this one comes out chronologically first. Uh, that one's hitting theaters May 7th. So by the time this episode drops, it'll be just a couple days away. Uh, As far as I can tell, this is a theatrical exclusive. Um, I feel like we're getting to the point where that might start becoming normal. And I don't think I'll have to clarify that anymore. Like, that'll be nice. Uh, like, I feel like I'll just, it'll just be assumed it's theatrical unless it's like straight to streaming. Like I know Netflix and Amazon have picked up a lot of things and I think still kind of working on some of the things that they bought during quarantine, but uh, um, yeah. So I, I just, I, I like that that's starting to get to a new norm. It's, it's comforting um, and, you know, get your vaccines so that we can go to the movies again. Um, so uh, we'll start off with the wrath of man. This is a, a new Jason Statham guy, Ritchie movie uh, hitting theaters May 7th. Like I said, this plot follows H a cold, mysterious character working at a cash truck company responsible for moving hundreds of million dollars around LA each week. Wow. That is a terrible synopsis. <laughs> uh, uh, Alex, have you seen the trailer for this? I have. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, you just know, like this seems like a very different movie than what the synopsis said. Um, I mean, yeah. sure. Follows H, but it seems like uh, more realistically H is this character that got burned. I'll try to be vague for people that don't watch the trailers, but um somebody who got burned um, or knew somebody that got burned by uh, robbing a robbing a bank truck, something like that. And now I just watched the trailer like 10 minutes ago. And I honestly cannot confirm if you're right or not. Cause it was just so weird. Yeah. Well, it, so it seems like H <laughs> has somebody that got burned by people who were robbing people that were robbing trucks. And so, or maybe, I don't know, maybe he just works security for trucks. Anyway, he's like hoping people rob him. So he wants to kill them all and get revenge. Anyway, um, that's, uh, that seems like, that, anyway, I'll tip my hand here. That seems really interesting to me. Uh, Alex, what do you think about this movie? Uh, if, you know, theaters, obviously in the question here, uh, let's just say that COVID doesn't exist anymore. So that's not on, in the picture, you know, budgets, all that. How, how excited are you to go see this? You're going to go opening night. You're going to wait for a discount night. You're going to wait to rent this at home. Are you going to wait to, uh, till it's on a streaming service you already paid for? Or are you just not interested in seeing this movie? I'm not interested in seeing this movie. Oh. And it's not because it's like, uh, okay. So, uh, like uh, the most recent, like revenge kind of story where somebody, well, wasn't exactly, but like nobody recently came out. Yeah. I don't think I, I would have saw that if it didn't have somebody behind, you know, who was involved with John Wick and Bob Odenkirk, two people that I wanted to see 
more of, especially Bob Odenkirk, because I keep pushing everybody on that Better Call Saul train because it's about to come to an end and nobody's talking about it. But, yeah. I, you know, but uh, that that's another thing. It's like, that's the only reason I went out of my way to see it. It was really delightful. I don't, I'm not going to say that this movie is going to be bad because I, I don't know that. Uh, I just, from what I saw in that trailer, it was just some weird editing that it, it just felt like, it, you know, it does what trailer does, just trying to speed you up to what, you know, this movie's about. And, uh, I don't know. Jason Statham. I'm not a Jason Statham guy. Like I don't dislike the guy. I just, the last thing that I liked with him and it was a Hobbs and Shaw. And it was because it was just so ridiculous into the fast and furious franchise. I was like, you know what? I'm ready to come back to fast and furious. Cause it's just so ridiculous now. And yeah. they're finally going with it. And so, yeah, that's just kind of it. It's just like, you got Jason Statham and another action movie. He like, it's like whenever Nicolas Cage does an action movie nowadays, I just dismiss it that easily. Sure. Uh, I guess that's fair. Uh, I used to be a huge Jason Statham fan. Um, I, I don't know how much I am anymore. Like, I really loved him back in, like, the Transporter days and, uh, you know, seeing him in Snatch and seeing him in Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels. And uh, I, I don't know. He's kind of got this, like, he's either in these big blockbusters and he's maybe not a highlight anymore um, or he's doing these, like, movies that, like, I typically wouldn't be interested in, but I'm going to see because he's in it. Um, although that's definitely not all of them. But, like, I think The Meg is a pretty decent movie. Uh, it, it's probably not a good movie, but, like, it's a decent time. Uh, and I think a lot of that is because of him. Um, but, yeah, especially around that, like, early 2010. I don't know. Maybe it's because I was in middle school. You know, that's uh, that, that probably had some influence in it. Uh, but I, I found it to be... Uh, uh, pretty good. Uh, like he 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 was he was solid for me. Um, but I I I I see what you're saying. He's he's kind of like that Nicolas Cage at this point, but uh, uh, certainly not too much to the extent. But I, I'm really excited about this movie. Really, it comes down to one thing for me: um, is that Guy Ritchie's attached to this, and I I just really love me some Guy Ritchie. He's not always a hit, you know. Like, he does have, like, you know, the Sherlock Holmes movies, and he does have, I think Rock and Roll is a fine movie, it's not great, um, but, like, he's got, like, The Gentleman and Snatch and Lockstock, like, some really all-timers for me, and, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I, I think there's something here, but this doesn't look like a, like a typical Guy Ritchie movie, this looks like, uh, you know, like a normal movie, so, uh, you mentioned the weird editing, and I, I think it's just a trailer trick. I think they're just trying to get you set up with this is a heist movie and then we'll give you the backstory. I don't think that the actual movie will do that. Probably not. But do you want me to blow your mind? Sure. Okay. So I was just going down Guy Ritchie's IMDb Mm -hmm. and I have never seen one of his movies. Not one. Not one. Really? Mm -mm. Look, well, you you should really change that. Um, (laughs) 100. Look, 100 percent. Start with Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Um, It's. It's just really fun, um, and it's a great story, and it, it's written so cleverly. It's awesome, um, and then and then and then do Snatch, and I think Snatch is a little bit more polished version of Lockstock, even though I think Lockstock's maybe I like a little bit more. Um, and uh, and check out the Gentleman. I think the Gentleman's really good, um, but uh, I, I've oh he also did Aladdin, um, which. Oh, okay. Yeah, then I have seen one. Okay. Yeah. I was like, you have, I figured that would be one you'd seen. So, he's fine. Uh, Aladdin's fine. Um, but yeah. So, 
Uh, I mean, I feel like Jason Statham is really the only person we need to talk about in this, even though we're getting some Scott Eastwood, who is typically not not great. Uh, <laughs> uh, Did you see and, who else is in here? Andy Garcia, Josh Hartnett, and Holt McCa- uh, McCallany. That's that's. What, did I hit who else you were talking about? No, Post Malone is in this movie. Oh yeah, screw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am not a Posty fan. So me neither. Um, yeah, and uh, Josh Hartnett, of course, from Pearl Harbor and Thirty Days a Night and all that, and Holt McCallany. Maybe not a name you recognize. He's one of the two leads in Mindhunter, not the King George from Hamilton character. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, but yeah, I think he's a. I think he's a really good actor. Um. Yeah, and that Post Malone thing really pissed me off. Because, <laughs> like, st- you know, stop trying to make your musical celebrities actors because I don't sometimes it works, but, like, more often than not, it winds up being more like a Machine Gun Kelly, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> nobody actually likes Machine Gun Kelly, right? Uh, he, uh, uh, whenever I'm playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, he's got one song that I'm like, this isn't the worst thing in the world. <laughs> or, like, uh, what's the, um, uh, Gosh, the LL Cool J, like he's never been better than like kind of mediocre, right? Yeah, yeah. I will say, uh, because last year Post Malone was in something with Mark Wahlberg, and it was just like it was at the top of Netflix for like two weeks, and then nobody talked about it. Mm. Yeah, that's that sounds like modern Mark Wahlberg movies. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, it sounds like modern Netflix movies too. So pairing and made in heaven. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, like I, 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 I don't know. I just I don't really like it when you try to take celebrities and put them in actor role, like in, unless they're actually good. Um, yeah. You know, like Kevin Garnett in Uncut Gems was was uh, was serviceable, and you know, every now and then you get like that Lady Gaga in A Star Is Born, and you know, I, I'm not totally opposed, but I am opposed to people like Machine Gun Kelly and Post Malone being in movies. Oh, The Weekend was in Uncut Gems too. I didn't like that either. But, I forgot that he was in that movie. <laughs> yeah, I've I forgotten most of that movie. Um, so, actually, that's a lie. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think this is one that you're either just on or on or off. And um, I really do think I'd be kind of closer to you, maybe like streaming uh, if it weren't for Guy Ritchie attached. Uh, but because he is attached, that that does make me pretty excited. So, uh, any other thoughts before we move on? Uh no, that's pretty much it. Cool. Uh, then let's talk about the woman in the window. Uh, we'll keep it uh, to Netflix here. This is uh, coming out May fourteenth, so about a week from now. Uh, by the time this episode drops, give you some time to get ready for it. The synopsis here is that an agoraphobic, agoraphobic woman living alone in New York begins spying on her new neighbors, only to witness a disturbing act of violence. Uh, Alex, uh, same scale. What do you think about this one? I'm slightly interested in this. Uh, like on the more on the rental or maybe if it's like a matinee kind of day go see uh oh i'm looking at the cast on imdb it's got a good lineup Mm -hmm. and uh not familiar with the director as far as i know he did some work on black mirror Mm. as far as i know yeah i thought it was really funny how the trailer was advertising the guy that did the darkest hour and like uh oh no my the darkest hour was the uh dunkirk one i was thinking that was the do you remember in like 2011 there was some darkest movie that was like set in Russia and there was like aliens and electricity? Had yeah, it was it? called The Darkest Hour, and that's why it confused oh. me when they made Darkest Hour because I was like, didn't they make this movie three Got years it. ago? Okay, because I, I I thought that's what they were advertising. I'm like, really? That's what you're gonna go with? <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah. Uh, he also did Hannah. I've never seen Hannah. Uh, director Joe Wright, by the way. Atonement, never seen it. Pride and Prejudice, 2005. Oh, he directed the Nosedive episode with Bryce Dallas Howard and uh, Black Mirror. Oh, that's the social media one, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was fun. I like that one. Um, I'm on the fence because he because he did that and that kind of because the this movie's gonna be like what about agoraphobe you said yeah agoraphobic woman and well nosedive isn't that in particular but they was able to break down like this person kind of like crumbling you know yeah. around each around other people so I think there's something there I'm slightly interested yeah sure um yeah I uh. I think I'm right in the middle. I think I'm at rent. Uh, yeah. I think that's where I'm at. But because this is a Netflix original, I'll probably be checking it out somewhat soon. The reason that I'm in, in rent um, is that I think there's so much promising about this movie. You, you mentioned the cast. I mean, look, Amy Adams is just untouchable at this point to me. Um, Gary Oldman looks like he's given a career best. We got uh, Wyatt Russell, the new... Oh, this will be fun. We have Wyatt Russell, the you know, U.S. soldier... Uh, sorry, yeah. US agent and Anthony Mackie, you know, Captain America. Um, they'll both be in this movie. It's <laughs> pretty cool. Um, uh, Brian Tyree Henley, Henry, Julianne Moore, um, Ben Davis, but not that Ben Davis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee in here. Like, this is a like really solid cast uh, that looks like they're really doing their job. And uh, like, I feel like that's definitely something to. Uh, to compliment i know this is based off a novel that is pretty pretty widely regarded um that's pretty much all i knew about the uh the movie before seeing the the trailer but i remember when they announced this this was like a month or two ago and everybody was just like shocked because they're like oh we thought that they just like canned this movie um apparently this like tested like two years ago and everybody like they released a trailer and everybody was all excited about it and then the test audiences like were like, I don't understand this movie and I don't like this movie. And so they're like, all right, well, we're not going to release it. And like, nobody had any updates for like the last two years. So, um, I, that, I mean, that's giving me a lot of concern. Um, but also I just feel like a movie that is trying to be this complex in the trailer. Um, and in the, you know, the way that it's presenting itself, I feel like it's, it's either going to just knock it out of the park or completely miss the ball. And I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have enough reason to think it's going to knock it out of the park. So we'll just go with a safe, comfortable right in the middle. Yeah, that's fair. So, um, I, I think this is, looks exciting. This looks like a, you know, a rear window 2.0, um, you know, as, as there have already been several of those, you know, Disturbia yeah. being kind of the most, uh, I don't know, big budget one of them recently. And Disturbia is a fine movie. But uh, that movie's older than you think. It's coming up on like uh uh that feels like a two thousand seven movie. Yeah. It's close to fifteen years almost. Woof. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> see that one until like five years after it came out. But anyway, like this this looks like your your rear window two point oh. Um and uh I I don't know how many how many of these we, we really get. Um like before it gets old, you know, um, especially because the the original Rear Window is just a perfect movie. So, yeah, that's um, I think a lot of thoughts. I, th- I just think that this has so much potential to be really amazing or really not great. And also the fact that it's like a Netflix original doesn't super give me a lot of hope, especially with their recent track record. I mean, sure, they've had Defy Bloods and Trial of Chicago 7, but uh, 
they've also had Stowaway and the, the wrong Thunder Missy. Force. And what, what was the other one? The Wrong Missy. The Wrong Missy? You're better not knowing what that is. Okay. That's, that's fair. <laughs> but like also, but like there's that, uh, the, the Mitchells versus the Machines, which is getting some pretty, pretty good reviews in the, uh, that is true. One of the animated movies was a Netflix original, and you know, say we like we'll talk about Mank later, but like it's hard to argue Mank, Mank is a well-made movie, and I don't know. Just I feel like Netflix is getting more cred, but still, like Netflix also still produces a ton of crap, so it's hard to get excited about Netflix originals. <laughs> True, I usually if it's not something like an already made IP like Stranger Things or something, I'm just like, yeah. I'll... Wait until people are talking about it for a week. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, let's do Spiral then, right? Oh, yeah. This is uh, original title, Spiral from the Book of Saw. Let's, uh, let's see. Uh, Criminal Mastermind unleashes a twisted form of justice in Spiral, the terrifying new chapter from the Book of Saw. Uh, I, Alex, I think this is all going to completely rely on how you feel about the Saw franchise. So uh, what do you what do you think? Uh, it's kind of same scale. How how do you feel about the Saw franchise, and are you excited about Spiral? I'm very excited for Spiral. Spiral. I love a majority of the Saw movies. Now, I do think some of them uh, haven't held up as well as over time. The more I think about it, the more that first one, in my opinion, is just the one that I really love the most. But because I'm also a fanboy, I'm like, I do like, you know, a few of these. And Six somehow is underrated. And they tried rebooting it a couple of years ago with Jigsaw. And I was very let down. And the only reason I'm excited right now is because uh, Chris Rock said that he wanted to make this. That's why they're putting his name as a producer on it. Because uh, there was a story about how this got made. And the only reason it got made is because one of the executives of Lionsgate was at a party with Chris Rock. He's like, this is the executive of Lionsgate. He's like, wait a minute. You mean like Saw Lionsgate? And they're like, yeah. He's like, man, I've always wanted to make one. They're like, why don't we make one? It's like, you are you serious? And that's how it actually got made. <laughs> so yeah. I'm excited. It's such a, it's such a crazy... Gosh, such a such a crazy story. Um, yeah, I'm I'm right with you. I I really like this franchise. Um, I do think that there are some points where it definitely does get that you know torture porn um, kind of. It really earns that name. Um, specifically, like four and five, I really think earn it. Uh, and coincidentally, four and five are just terrible movies. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, specifically, five five is one of the worst movies ever made. Um, uh, but I really enjoy the first three. Um, again, that first one is on my hundred top hundred movies of all time. Um, probably higher, like more towards like the, the 50 or 60 range. Um, I love that first movie. Um, I, I really enjoyed the second and the third. Um, uh, and you're right. Six is kind of underrated. Six is kind of pretty okay. Um, yep. especially considering it just came after four and five and, uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember kind of liking the final chapter, but it definitely dropped the ball. Um, and, but like still thinking it was a fine movie and I, I kind of like Jigsaw. Um, I, I don't think I've seen it since theater, but I remember being like, yeah, I enjoyed that. So, uh, I, I feel like I'm with you on the franchise. Maybe I like it a little bit more than you do, um, overall. And, uh, and I'm super excited for this one. Cause yeah, as soon as they announced like, Hey, we're going to do it, but we're gonna do it with Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson. And this is actually like Chris Rock's story. That's like, Oh Oh, that's interesting, especially, you know, the recent turn with uh, comedy directors turned horror, you know, with uh, specifically Jordan Peele, like, 
all this just fascinates me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think this is exciting. They've also apparently announced a Saw 10. Uh, they have not said whether it's going to be a spiral sequel or whether it's going to be kind of another spinoff or whether it's going to be um, like an actual you know, Saw sequel, like a Saw the Final Chapter sequel. Um, but they apparently have already announced more. And like, I don't want too many of these movies. Like, I don't want like a new movie every year like they used to be at some point. But I don't mind every couple of years throw me a pretty decent one. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. If it's every few years and they took some time to either A, work on the story or at least get creative with what they're going to do with it, you know, just I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Oh, and I don't think I officially said, but yeah, I'm here opening weekend for this movie. Um, Same here. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got my second dose of the vaccine. I should be about fully vaccinated at that point, if not already. And I'm so excited to see this one. I'll probably be seeing it alone. Because I don't really know anybody. I don't think that likes these movies. Definitely my wife ain't coming with me. So, <laughs> uh, But that's fine. I saw Jigsaw alone. And look, there, are, there are worse movies to see alone. So, um, yeah. Um, just, uh, I don't know. Just Something about this franchise just really fascinates me. And I think, I don't know, I think a lot of it is because you get to dive in the psychology of the, the killer, right? Um, yeah. You understand why he's doing what he's doing, whether or not you agree with them. You know, yeah. uh, I, I think it's pretty hard to argue that he's a good guy, but you understand where he's coming from and you still want to see him taken down. But, it, it you know, it, it this isn't one of those like, oh, let's just have somebody kill people because and it's like, oh, that's that's fine. I don't know. And, uh, and also, I liked Escape Room and I know Escape Room isn't like actually but it feels just like a Saw movie. It felt like a rebooted Saw. It it felt it like a rebooted PG-13 Saw. And I think the ending totally fumbled. But yeah. for the most part, I really liked that movie. So, um, yeah. I, I Anyway, I'm really excited for Spiral. I'm really looking forward to seeing, uh, to reading your review. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing it myself. I have asked for a screener. I don't know that I'll get it, but... I almost want to just wait and see it in a theater because sometimes screeners are like 720p. And these are definitely uh, those movies that you can't see in 720p. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll put down like 12 or 13 bucks to go check it out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so, yeah. Um, any other thoughts? Any of the movies we've, we've mentioned? Um. Last thing I want to say about Spiral is just uh, I'm just glad that they're that's not completely dead in the water. You know, if this this is a total hey, if it fails, we might not see Saw for a while. Sure, and if it succeeds, uh, we might get a whole lot more than we were anticipating. Yeah, and I think that's a good point to bring up. Like, I feel like uh, you you know, I mean, a I'm I'm happy that Jigsaw is as of now the official end of the Saw franchise, as opposed to Saw the final chapter. Um, cause I just think that's a better movie, <laughs> um, it is. But, but for all intents and purposes, you know, spiral, even if it's kind of the next, but like, also feel like maybe this is an evolution, uh, of like how we can still manage to take this story that I personally think is interesting and you'll find new ways to get creative with it. And it almost feels like, I, I don't know, it almost feels like saw the franchise could go in a direction very similar to, I don't, like the MCU or very similar to like uh, um, 
uh, Star Wars to some extent, where it's just like, hey, we're going to try things. And if it doesn't work, like, especially with horror movies, if it doesn't work, you just spent like $3 million and made $400 million. Like horror movies always do great. Um, yeah. And they cost next to nothing to make. So I, like, I feel like you, you try something and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know? So you try your, your solos and you, 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 you know, like I said with the MCU, like you get your political thrillers and you get your, um, you know, your like nostalgia pieces and you get your space operas and things like that, you know? So like, just I, I'd be interested to see, especially if they have people like Chris Rock and Sam Jackson um, kind of coming to this franchise. Like, you know, are we going to see a Jordan Peele Saw movie one day? You know, are, are we going to see um, like does Scott Derrickson want to do one? You know, does uh, um, uh, does Sam Raimi maybe want to get interested? And I, I know I'm talking about a lot of like A-list horror directors right now, but do we want to give um, the guy that just made Godzilla versus Kong, uh, Adam Wingard, do we want to give him a chance at it? Right. Um, I, I feel like there's a lot of potential. So. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see what might come of that. Sounds good. Cool. Well, let's get to the real meat and potatoes, the real reason why we're gathered here today, and that is to talk about the one, the only Shrek 2. Alex, uh, we talked about Shrek, the original, uh, a while ago, and uh, and I sent you a list of uh, of movies that it's like, hey, here's some suggestions. You're like, hey, can we do Shrek 2? And I'm like, sure. So, <laughs> I mean, it's really more about what you want to talk about than what I want to talk about. Um but it only feels right. So, you know, maybe in six months we'll have to have you on for Shrek the Third. And oh I'll God. think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, Shrek 2, a 2004 movie. Find it on Hulu if you're interested in, if you've never seen it or if you are interested in the nostalgia. But, uh, Alex, when, when's the last time you saw Shrek, Shrek 2? And kind of, like, what's your, what's your history with the movie? How many times have you seen it? Um, and whatnot. But most importantly, like, when's the last time you've seen this one? Uh, well, I did watch it last night. Does that count? <laughs> Before last night. Uh, I usually watch the Shrek movies, at least the ones I like, about every, about three and a half years. So it was probably like late 2016 last time I watched it. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, which ones would you, <laughs> which ones would you say are the ones that you like? All of them except for Shrek the third. Oh, even Shrek four? Oh yeah, I find that one way underrated. Okay, I uh, I haven't seen Shrek Four because Shrek the Third is terrible, um, <laughs> and I haven't seen Puss in Boots, but I'm very interested in seeing Puss in Boots. And uh, that's actually surprisingly really underrated because nobody talks about it, and that one didn't have any right to be as good as it is. The only people I know that talk about it is my college roommate Oscar. So um, <laughs> he convinced me that it's probably actually worth my time. Uh, looks like uh, looks like I got some confirmation there. So for two for two, saying Puss in Boots is a good time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I uh, I saw this movie right when it came out. Um, was big into Shrek when they came out, both of them, uh, because the, like these were my age movies. I was six and nine when when they came out. Um, so like perfect age range just for these. Um, right about the time, like a little bit after Shrek had came out. That's when we went on a family vacation to to Orlando and went to the uh, um, uh, Universal Pictures, I think. I don't know somewhere where they had you know the Shrek 40, and I, oh, yeah. I, I think that's Universal, isn't it? Yeah, it's Universal. Okay, because I know it's DreamWorks, but I I couldn't remember who DreamWorks 
worked works with and anyway uh like that that shrek's 4d experience is awesome um yeah that's right because i did it again a couple years ago when i went um it, i remember doing that like three or four times the day that we were there uh so uh anyway it's just a shame that shrek the third had to be so terrible but <laughs> yeah. uh the, i think the last time i seen this one shrek 2 was probably about 10 years ago i was in high school and I just remember it was one of those days that my Algebra 2 teacher, like, either needed a grade stuff or had a sub or just, I don't know, didn't want to do her job that day. I don't know, something where she just decided to play Shrek 2. And uh, it's the last time I've seen it. So, um, yeah, uh, it's been a while. I've been due for a rewatch. Um, Alex, what do you think? Uh, how do you How do you feel about this movie? Like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I really love this movie. Is this better than the first Shrek for you? I personally, like, here's the thing. that Me saying that this is better than Shrek 1 doesn't mean that Shrek 1 is any less of a movie. It's just that Shrek 2 is really, really good. <laughs> See, alright, like, since we talked about Shrek 1, I think I landed, like, somewhere on, like, probably high side I liked it, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm definitely in loved it category for this one. It doesn't, it doesn't hold up quite as well as I thought it did. Um, but it could be one of those things that because I've seen it, you know, probably 15, 20 times, like, yeah, it, it just doesn't quite feel fresh to me. Like maybe that's it. Uh, and some, some of the parts kind of drag, uh, it starts off really funny and it ends really funny and there's not too many jokes in the middle. Um, and that just kind of wore things down and I, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I do think this is absolutely a better movie than the first wreck. Um, but uh, uh, you, you're right. It doesn't really discourage, um, you know, the or disparage the first Shrek. But I, I, I almost kind of counter that with I, I think this movie, this movie's existence makes Shrek one worse. Uh, and it's the mere existence of Puss in Boots, because when you go back and watch the first Shrek, something just feels missing because there's no yeah. Puss in Boots. It's rare whenever you introduce a character in a sequel and they feel right at home from the first scene. And then yeah. whenever you go back before that, like even like in TV shows, it's, it's the weirdest thing ever. Like Parks and Rec yes. introduces uh, Rob Lowe and Adam Scott, I believe it is. Is yep. that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they introduce them at like the end of season two. And then you go back and watch the first season and the beginning of season two. And you're like, wait, wait something missing. Yeah. Well, but like, you know, something's missing, right? And, uh, and, and but it, it even... it's so often that's not the case right because how many times do they add a character in a sequel that you're like i just don't care about this character like especially tv shows like you're talking about like a a lot of times it's just like remember when that 70s show like when eric decided to leave and they're like oh we'll bring in like two other random people that nobody's going to care about right like show show was terrible for a couple seasons you know Better yet, remember Shrek 3 when they introduced uh, Justin Timberlake's character and made him a big deal and never brought him back? Nope. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I gosh, I think there's so many examples of, like, just things not working. Uh, it, it, or, like, I, I don't know, like, it's also different, like, thinking about, like, Friends, like, when they introduce Paul Rudd. And, like, he's a great part to the show, but it doesn't necessarily feel like the show is lacking when he's not there, but... It's it's totally the opposite here. Shrek one feels like it's missing something, and, and Puss in Boots is that perfect fulfillment of uh, of that. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because now we get like kind of a warrior, um, or like 
I don't know. He he's so over serious most of the time. Like, sure, he cracks his jokes and things like that. But when it really comes yeah. time to be serious, like he's the most serious that there is. And I don't know. Maybe it's just something ridiculous about a cat in a boots. You know? Yeah. Especially like Shrek mentions that again. Like, look at isn't he cute? And he, like picks him up and, and yeah. yeah, like so. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, it, he just he fits right in, just like you said, like right from the very beginning. Uh, real quick, I just, well, I, well, I'm thinking about it cause I might forget it. I thought this was pretty funny. So, uh, you know, the part where Shrek is staring at Fiona's, uh, ceiling in the bedroom and she's got a poster of Sir Justin. Yes. And it's a reference to Justin Timberlake. Yes. Okay. So like I said, he plays a major character in Shrek the third. Mm-hmm. And I think that's funny because she's simping over somebody who is, uh, Who's her cousin in the movies? Oh, <laughs> oh! I didn't know the cousin part. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. yeah, I I actually had that written down as just some of the things that I think are really funny. And like, look, I think the first Shrek is totally fine. It's 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 got its laughs. Um, you know, it's it, it's maybe a little bit less. It's maybe a little bit less funny than what I remember. Um, but there, and there are definitely some jokes that are meant towards adults. Uh, but I feel like the, the last per minute ratio is way higher in Shrek 2. And I, oh, yeah. and I feel like the, there are things that kids can find funny that adults will find funny on a whole separate level. Um, uh, as well as both people liking it. Whereas like the first Shrek, you kind of get either, oh, that's something that's going over kids' heads or that's something that, you know, it's a stupid fart joke. Right. Um, yeah. Whereas I feel like the the second one really balanced. And sure, sure, the second one has fart jokes, right? But, um, yeah. but like I feel like it just balances it better. Um, and I feel like it's jokes that everybody enjoys. And um, it's this is a really funny movie. And um, I, I almost I I think a lot of the jokes hold up better as an adult. Like you mentioned the Sir Justin thing, and like I've never really been in big into like celebrity culture things like that, especially with like pop music. So I probably was aware of Justin Timberlake, but would have had no idea if you showed me a picture of him. And I, I laughed for like 15 straight seconds after seeing the Sir Justin on the, on the, (laughs) on the bedroom ceiling, whatever. So another uh, good adult joke is when they're getting arrested and it's a, it's a parody of the show cops and it's nights and they, they find, uh, I think it's catnip on, Puss in Boots, yes. and, and they're, because they don't have pepper spray invented yet, they're yes. using the cranker to put spray, uh, to put pepper inside of Shrek's eyes. Yeah, me and me and Abby had to legitimately pause the movie, because it was the first time I'd ever noticed that, and I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my entire <laughs> life, because, because yeah, the, 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 it was, I never noticed it was cracked pepper, and it just... <laughs> It's the funniest thing because, like, as a kid, I probably never had seen a pepper grinder, at least like that. And, you know, uh, I didn't understand, right? And yeah. <laughs> they were still just brute force, but, <laughs> but the pepper grinder was so funny. Um, yeah, and that, that whole night sequence was really funny. Um, perfect parody. It's really, it's really funny. You know, we were pointing out all the times that they would reference other movies. I mean, I mean Shrek 1 and 2 were so good at that. The first one, more so referencing like fairy tale stories, but the second one, like you know, Puss in Boots goes back to grab his hat. We got it, you know, we got an Indiana Jones reference there, um, you know, and we got the um, the gosh, the cops, obviously, not not yeah. just a subtle reference there. 
uh, like lots of just fun little, you know, um, things that you could just say, yeah, this is from that. And now I'm happy because this is done really well. I was disappointed because I watched it because uh, I haven't watched a movie with my mom in a while. And she, and I was like, hey, you kind of like Shrek. Is it okay if I put this on? You'll watch it. She's like, yeah. And she loves Hawaii Five-0. And she did not catch that the trumpet men that were serving the documents to Shrek and Fiona at the beginning. One of them spins off and starts yep. singing <laughs> the Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. And I turned to her and I was waiting. And I was like, did you know what that was? She's like, Rocky? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not everything that's played from a trumpet is Rocky. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a moment that we laughed. Yeah, we definitely laughed at. Um, you know, and gosh, uh, yeah. The other the other ones I have like this is this is a perfect example of something that I thought was hilarious as a kid that still holds up. But it's the the dinner party scene where everybody's just trying saying each other names. So it's like you know Fiona Harold, and all of a sudden Donkey, and yeah, like it's it's still just really funny. Uh, not not a, not a different level for that joke, but like. That's just a joke that everybody can enjoy, right? Yeah. So, um, and uh, let's see. I have I have three other ones that I th- that just really like. I never knew known that these jokes existed, and they just really tickled me. Uh, but there's a uh, when when uh, when Shrek and Fiona are arguing in Fiona's bedroom, and the fairy godmother comes and she you know animates a bunch of furniture and leaves a bunch of stuff. Then Donkey comes in, and is like, "Oh, you got a puppy? All I got in my room was shampoo." And- <laughs> It's just like the like you know nine year old me like didn't catch that and yeah and you know like there's other things to focus on in that scene so I just thought that was funny uh, the the one that really caught me off guard was uh, when Donkey suggests that they give Puss in Boots the Bob Barker treatment <laughs> <laughs> I really hope there's somebody out there listening that hasn't listened to or that hasn't watched Shrek two in like ten years and has just decided like. Oh, like that's a joke in there. <laughs> I feel like I need to rewatch this thing. Uh, but I, just, I thought that was the funniest thing. Uh, and then uh, one of the other just incredibly funny things was at the end when they get Mumbo to the to come uh, and, and attack the city, and and they go and they and he destroys a Farbucks, uh, <laughs> which is in itself a pretty funny thing for that name. But they run across the street to another Farbucks. <laughs> Yeah, like like they just you know one's getting terrorized, so they just run across the street to a different one. It's like oh, like how is this movie so relevant in twenty twenty one? There's oh, speaking of relevant, uh, whenever they go to Fairy Godmother's factory, they're joking about like being ex- inspectors, and they're like, "So how's the union going on around here?" And they're like, "Oh, union, we don't even have dental." And he's like turning the mic away so he doesn't get caught. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely some parallels you can make there to some Amazonian country c- company. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, yeah, there's some really really funny stuff in here, and uh, you know, of course, it's kind of same thing. Not really a new level, but just enjoyable jokes. Like when when Pinocchio comes down and does the Mission Impossible thing, and yeah. a- Abby's sitting there like he's he he would totally get tangled up by the wires. I'm like you not remember he totally does and like then it shows yeah. he's all tangled and there's like i don't know lie like still like you're wearing women's underwear and of course he does and his nose doesn't grow and, and then there's the whole joke like that's that's still funny you know so we're giving it a lot of uh points for you know it's it's comedic 
uh, smarts. But another thing that I don't that's really clever is just how much it continues with the first movie in like establishing this world and how much of it is a parody. Like I love whenever Harold goes to hire Puss in Boots, there's like the rotten apple bar where all of these major fairy tale villains hang out Mm -hmm. and Larry King RIP is the voice of the ugly stepsister, which I never knew. That's Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. All those little weeks and nods are super clever. Um, So um, and, and, you know, while we're talking about things that are super great and, and hold up really well, th- th- this movie's message is it's still super powerful, um, still super relevant. Unfortunately, uh, I thought about writing a letterbox review, like how is racism still a thing after Shrek and Shrek two, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but like, I, like, it's just so like the first movie is definitely very much about like being afraid to be yourself like your true race right your heritage things like that um the first film definitely has has those things uh being shameful of it and and being treated differently because of it uh and but the second one is 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 themes of like interracial marriage specifically um or or dating or whatnot you know the 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 dinner scene is very reminiscent of like look um uh guess who's coming to dinner um you know like things that we've seen countless times over and it just it's so relevant uh and i think it's handled so tastefully um and i think that the movie's message it's got like four or five messages too specifically the ones i think it really hits on are the um you know embracing who you actually are and you know the um accepting especially within family um, it, it kind of accepting uh, other people's partners and people's choices, and re- regardless of you know race or gender identity, I think you could make that stretch too. Or uh, movies not trying yeah. to imply it, but you know, same thing. You know, re- regardless of whatever, like learning to, it, especially like they don't even give Shrek a chance. Now, part of that is Shrek doesn't really want to be given a chance, but still, like Harold. Uh, specifically doesn't doesn't give him a chance and so i feel like the movie has some good messages there and then the other one is just like the the you know the ch- changing who you are um to be with another person uh but specifically how like the movie goes to say like don't change who you are for another person like still be yourself still be your true self don't don't cover up the things about you um that that make you you um unless yeah. it's it's a change for the better um so uh, I, I just think the movie has some really, really great messages. And look, these are not subtle messages at all. These are not messages that are like, oh, Aaron did some deep thinking about Shrek 2. It's like, no, I watched the movie and that's what I got from it. And like, you know, everybody that's ever seen this movie, you know, even like a four year old should be able to to put, to put these things together. Like, I, it's just I'll see, how on earth is a movie from 2004 this relevant? It's so relevant that two months ago, the dinner scene is exactly what happened when Meghan Markle said that she had that discussion with the oh queen about her babies God. being brown and their babies being ogres. Didn't even think about that, but yeah. Yep. Is, uh, here, we've, uh, we're going to officially establish this here. Sif Pop Writer's Room calling it right now. Um, Shrek 2 is actually a premonition. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> this isn't a fairy tale animation. This is Steven Spielberg. Not yeah, Spielberg runs DreamWorks. So this is Spielberg got a premonition and said, "Hey, we got to put this in the movie, and here's how how it's going to go." Uh, what'd you think of the animation? We talked about how the first strike held up surprisingly well, but not great. The uh, yeah, uh, so I was hoping to bring this up because my Blu-ray is like because uh, I'm never Shrek forever after it came out they did like a four movie set blu-ray mm-hmm. package and i've had that for the longest time and that's the one that i watched and i was surprised that even on my 4k tv and everything just this 1080p you know there's a tiny bit of upscaling you know mm-hmm. but i was surprised like even with the upscaling how much it holds up like clearly you know like pixar and they're in a league of their own at this point of how good they make their movies sure. but, like and how like just smooth the animation was itself like it didn't okay so like cartoony is the word that i would use if it just looks too ridiculous for me to take seriously but i just i legit see this as animation and i'm just really proud of how well it's held up over the past 16 years yeah i'd I'd agree with that um this isn't perfect uh this is nowhere near the level of pixar but uh this is dream dream shrek was dreamworks first movie yeah, and this is three years later and i don't know that dreamworks had did any other movies between i could be totally wrong but like Still, for a three-year-old, well, a little over three years old, like, new animation studio in the early 2000s, this is really impressive. Uh, I don't feel like there's an improvement for the first to the second, though, in terms of animation. Um, It it feels like they just had whatever engine they were running and just turned it, uh, you copied and pasted and um, did the exact same thing, right? Um, I don't feel like there's an improvement over the first, which is shocking because the you know the 2000 to 2010 was like massive massive like growth in animation and you know a, a lot of things have just become more polished from uh 2010 to 20 and to the point where now toy story 4 looks like freaking magic you know um yeah. you know but even like dreamworks themselves like how to train your dragon like looks pristine so um i i, I just uh I don't feel like this was an improvement over the first one. There's definitely some things that are noticeable that are clunky, which like, you know, even when you go back and you watch like Toy Story and Toy Story 2, like there's still like bugs like, you know, there's still a lot of clunky things in there. Um, so like, this isn't just a singling out Shrek 2 thing. This is, but this is uh, like specifically the thing that bothered me the most was the little dog, the, the, the poodle, whatever it was, the little fluffy white dog is so poorly animated, not in terms of quality. Yeah. But they have no idea how how to animate motion in animals other than donkey uh, and you know the the animals that aren't actually like animals right like the the big bad wolf. But that little puppy was animated so poorly, which is such a stark comparison to the way that Puss in Boots is animated. Yeah. But but it's also one of those things like look how far we've come in technology because you look at like the new Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> like we know how animals move down to the T and can animate that perfectly. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like there was definitely some points that really, uh, really took me out of it. That That's fair. Um, one of the things that looked really good on this rewatch was like, uh, cause you know how Shrek has that vest. that has got like the lines to everything. Mm-hmm. Those popped out a whole lot more for me this time. Yeah, I agree. Like the, the detail in it. Yeah, that's probably the best animated thing in this movie is Shrek's best. <laughs> so, uh, I only have one more note, and it's we got to talk about the voice cast. Uh, so, we've got returning people with Mike Myers, uh, Eddie Murphy, and Cameron Diaz, who are all, again, excellent. Yeah. Um, 
Eddie Murphy, of course, being the standout of the three, um, mm-hmm. being absolutely terrific. But to me, this movie is stolen by Antonio Banderas. Completely. Yeah. Uh, the donkey is a, clo- is a, is a second. Um, yeah. But it, if this would have been donkey's first movie, maybe, maybe he yeah. would, uh, he would have stolen it from me. Like, especially when donkey's a stallion, I think, I think he's great. Um, but, uh, yeah, Antonio Banderas just perfect as Puss in Boots. His lines are so good. Um, the way he reads things and the, um, um, the, uh, like the tone, the message he carries. And I feel like, I, don't, I feel like Eddie Murphy ad libs more, but I feel like Antonio Banderas still had a lot of fun with the role. So, uh, it, it just really shows. Uh, you said that was your final note. I'm disappointed because how can we not talk? about the epic finale this movie has and its cover of I Need a Hero. Oh, look, look, look. That is that is my final note I have written. I also have to <laughs> shout out John Cleese and Julie Andrews for doing excellent oh, for um, sure. voice performances. But yeah, look, that's the last thing I'd written because I knew we would talk about the finale. Where do you want to start? <laughs> uh, down to the editing. You know, how it keeps cutting back and forth between uh, Fairy Godmother singing her song and then, you know, you got the awesome, you know... Uh, it was mongo right the the name mm-hmm. of the gingerbread mm-hmm. yeah and uh, this, I, by the way that's a quote that i always say that nobody ever realized just always like, like fire up the oven muffin man and people are just like what are you talking about and i'm like you need to watch Shrek 2 again yeah and uh they got that part where uh you know they're they're catapulting the fire at him and then they pour like uh the soap onto him it makes the wig like the yeah. powder wig yeah and whenever he falls into the ocean it's still kind of funny because he's saying his last words underwater and yeah Jin- and Jinji doesn't want to let him die and pinocchio saves him it's just uh, it gets me pumped up every single time and last night i was like i felt like i was a little kid again watching this movie yeah the editing is perfect because you they it sometimes cuts to the fairy godmother um which also her voice casting is excellent as well. Oh yeah. Um, don't want to leave her out. Uh, and Prince Charming. Um, they're, they're also totally, totally doing a great job. Um, but the fairy godmother, like it, you, it cuts perfectly like the amount of time on her performing, um, as well as the Prince Charming trying to kiss Fiona, yeah. um, as well as the Shrek, Jinji, Pinocchio, donkey, Puss in Boots, all of them kind of escapating to there. Um, just uh is is so great uh perfect perfect way to edit and like look contra- contrast this with a movie that you and i saw together uh, mortal Kombat. like yeah. at, at the end of that movie i hate the editing when they go to tournament style because they're trying yeah. to intercut between each of the each of the fights and it just doesn't work to me you just you show one fight and then you show another and then you show another and you just, like you know it, it so so often when movies try to try to cut fights together, um, they they you you lose track of which one you're a part of, and sometimes that's intentional. But I, don't know, I thought Mortal Kombat handled it as poorly as as could possibly happen. But like this, you're right. This is perfect, and it's and it's set to the most perfect song. So, um, yeah. which which is also odd because there's also another cover of Holding Out for a Hero uh, during the credits, and it is atrocious. Yeah. It's I didn't so pick up bad. on that, that. Yeah, I didn't know if that was the same song back then. And then I started listening. I was like, "Whoa, this is why not just replay the song? I'd rather prefer that." Right? Yeah, just re- replay the the fairy godmother version. Um, 
So, uh, while while we're talking about the song too, this is uh, so Alex, you you're familiar with Beat Saber, yeah? Yeah. All right, well, with the, those that aren't that are listening, Beat Saber is a virtual reality game uh, that with your um, virtual reality wands, I guess you would call them. Um, you, you have your VR headset. Um, you can get this on PlayStation VR. Um, I have it on my Oculus Quest. You can get it on an Oculus Rift. Pretty much any VR system. It's probably the most popular VR game ever. Um, yeah. So it, it, essentially, it's Guitar Hero, but you hold lightsabers, a red and a blue one, or you can change the colors. Um, and you have to hit certain blocks in certain directions. And if you have it on a PC, you can uh, download a bunch of different tracks to add custom tracks that people have uploaded over the internet. Um, and uh, and I have this version of Holding Out for a Hero because this is the definitive definitive version. And I was playing it with a friend, and uh, and he he had the headset on. And in the middle of the song, he's just like, "Wait, is this a Shrek two version?" Because it goes to that like instrumental instrumental part where where uh, Shrek and Donkey are. Are, are just charging through the streets. <laughs> I, I, I love this song. This To me, this is the definitive. Like, I love the Bonnie Tyler version, but this is the definitive yeah. version. So, um, yeah, and you mentioned the editing. And, it, again, this picks up in the, in the, in the comedy with, uh, uh, you know, even, even Gingy standing on top. And he's just like, not the gumdrop buttons. And the um, that's where we get, um, the the people running from one farbucks to another farbucks, yeah. um, really lots lots of great stuff in here. Um, uh, it, I just, just I love this movie. Same here. <laughs> so it's not perfect. Um, oh I was, yeah, I was looking at some review reviews on Letterbox. Look, some people have it way too high, and some people have it way too low. I think I saw somebody have it at like one and a half stars, and it's like, hold hold on. Hold on, no. And I saw somebody no. else have it at like five stars. It's like, hold on, no, no, no. This is like this is like a four star movie, like maybe three and a half. I think that Letterbox and like I feel like every like IMDb, whenever you make reviews, because like Steam kind of does this whenever you review a game, where it's like you should filter it whether you mean that you think the movie is worthy of this. Or you think, or you're just like, no, no, no. This is just my enjoyment level. Well, I can I, see five stars enjoyment. Well, I would, yeah, I I categorize by enjoyment, uh, not by quality, um, which is, uh, but I but I sometimes do like if a movie is good enough quality, I will rate it higher, but it will be yeah. lower on my list. So, like a great example would be something like, to me, Mank and Nomadland, which we'll talk about here in a second. Films of excellent, excellent quality that I just don't love. So I have them at like three and a half and four stars, but they are very like closer to the bottom of my movies this year list. Well, Mank was last year, but, um, but so I, so I still rated, like I said, I think Nomadland, like a, like a four out of five, but I have it like lower than some, like I have it lower than Barb and star, which has like a three, three and a half for me. So, cause I, cause I enjoyed Barb and star more. So, um, yeah. Um, so anyway, I, uh, still, I, I, there are moments of Shrek Two that I just don't enjoy. There, there are moments. Like I said, it kind of drags in the middle. Uh, there are some things that almost feel like I don't know. There's some things that almost feel like they didn't really know how to do things, so they just are like, "All right, well, what's the easiest possible thing that we could do?" And they just, you know, they just do that. Like, how how do we get Shrek and Fiona to 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 leave the swamp? Well. 
a lot of this movie just seems like, all right, well, Shrek was a hit, and we were expecting that, but this also is the best picture, the best animated winner. So, like, you know, just uh, we we got to come up with something in quick. How do we do it? Um, so, yeah. um, I think I'm done. Do you have more thoughts? Uh, I think we hit on all the jokes that I just mainly love because that's the best thing I love talking about this movie for is the subtle jokes. We went over a lot of the ones that, you know, are mainly there for the adults that are just very clever. Great voice cast, great direction, great editing. So I think we kind of hit on everything we needed to. Cool. Um, since since you mentioned jokes, uh, one of the jokes that for sure did not land right with me uh, watching it now is pretty much any of the jokes about the three people that rescue Shrek when he's a human. Um, and, and like the clothes kind of start to fall off him and all of them just like get really like fainty blush, all that. And there's one of, and one of them's like, Oh, I'll be your true and honest. And I'll be, and I'll be, I'll be true enough. And it's just like, none of this is hitting me. Right. Like all of this is, none of this is funny. This is all just uncomfortable and weird and and kind of gross. Um, this, Ugh, I I didn't like it at all. Uh, not not yeah. to say that it's like offensive or like should be yo know, the canceled or th- this is probably a joke that still would make it in if Shrek Two was made it made today. But it's just that that's a good example of it's just uncomfortable and I don't really like it. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I think this is a great movie. I think if you haven't seen it in a while, you are for sure do worth a rewatch. Um, uh, definitely should check this one out. I, I'm even going to say if you haven't seen any of the Shrek movies in a while and you just want to pick one, uh, just pick Shrek two, just go for Shrek yeah. two, not Shrek, but go for Shrek two, you know, like Shrek is good, but, uh, Shrek two is better. Memento it. Just go backwards. Sure. <laughs> if you're going to watch them both and watch them both, but like, if you're just like, ah, I just want to watch one or like, ah, I don't remember feeling very fond of Shrek. Like a, you're wrong. Um, but, but even, even if you're an adult and you're like, I don't remember liking Shrek too. Like, I feel like there's enough jokes in here that you could probably get an enjoyment out of it. So yeah, I'd recommend anybody watch Shrek too. So, um, yeah, uh, there's that. Oh, all right. You ready to move on to the B plot? Let's go. Let's do it. All right. You and I were together last week um, Mm -hmm. in person. Wow. Imagine that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Alabama and Iowa coming together. The combo that nobody knew they needed. (laughs) Not at all. uh, I figured, look, I I didn't have anything written for this week. So I figured let's just do something that's easy for us to prepare to. And I kind of want to reflect back a little bit on the Oscars. Now, uh, I want to start off with, I want to talk mostly about, we went to to the Oscars weekend, meaning Friday through Sunday, we binged all the Best Picture nominees uh, at Aaron Dicer's house. And we did the the Oscars live broadcast. Maybe you tuned into that, got to see our faces, um, got to gotta hear us in real time, things like that. Um, Frank was with us as well. Um, in case you didn't see Frank falling asleep to Mank, <laughs> but <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the uh, we we did the Sposkers last week, and I, just, I I figured let's just give brief touches because I also like try to do my best not to talk about current movies if I don't have to, so I can save my my you know twenty twenty one movie opinions for the end of twenty twenty one. But uh, but you know this is obviously you know old 
actor movies at this point. Um, and I, I, I don't know that I've gotten a chance to talk about my, many of these. And uh, We'll keep this relatively brief. And um, I mostly want to talk about the movies, not so much the awards. And so I don't want to spend any time on the Anthony Hopkins or Chadwick Boseman thing because both of them are totally worth winning the award. Um, and definitely it was the wrong choice for um, – uh, Soderbergh to have best actor after best picture. Definitely. Yeah. That whole thing was just a mess and look, they tried something different and it just didn't work. So I, I just want to leave that at that. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily want to talk about the broadcast necessarily. I think there's some things that I really enjoyed about it. Um, uh, I liked, uh, I liked how it was a little bit more intimate of an environment. I liked how there was, um, uh, kind of some games thrown along in there every little bit. I liked how when they were introducing people, it wasn't here's a clip from what movie there they did. It's um, here's this person's backstory, which by the way they completely dropped for best actor and actress. Yeah. Uh, but I like how you know they're getting a chance to tell the cinematographer's story, right? So uh, lots of things I loved about the broadcast. Any anything you want to hit on before we dig into the movies? No, I think we can go right into it. All right, cool. Yeah. So in um, yeah, we'll get a chance to talk about like what what sh- what it should have won. Um, we're gonna go in order of what we watched on Best Picture Weekend. So let's start with Sound of Metal. Now, the only movie that you had seen from this list before was Trial of Chicago Seven, um, and the only two that I had not were Minari and The Father. So uh, I'm gonna kick us off with Sound of Metal actually, since I'd seen it before. Um, this this movie both is really great and suffers on rewatches because. The last 30 minutes really drag, especially where you know the ending is. But that, but there are so many things that kind of clue you into where the movie is going. Um, this is a brilliant movie, and I love it. I really do. Yeah, uh, this is it. I it is going better for me as time goes on. But I do agree with the whole last 30 minutes uh, kind of damaging it because it drags out a bit. Uh, I do like how. Uh, something I wasn't expecting on the first watch is how uh, it kind of hits in on that addiction theme. Because, mm-hmm. like, at, you know, in that third act, whenever he's having a conversation with the guy who runs the place, he brings up, he's like, I'm hearing the words of a junkie right now, or yeah. an addict, and which is a really good deep theme. And I'm happy Riz Ahmed, he was nominated, right, for Best Actor? He was, and that's the other thing I wanted to bring up is, you know, we were talking about this is Bozeman or Hopkins. Look, Riz Ahmed could have just as easily won this award. Oh, yeah. he, he was never going to, but he could have. Yeah, I'm glad that he did get nominated because, like, as soon as the movie ended, I was like, well, now I'm upset because Venom and Rogue One completely wasted this guy. <laughs> and, uh. Yeah, but as we mentioned, you haven't seen The Night of, and he's excellent. That is in true. The Night of. Yeah. And, uh, I, I kind of wish that, uh, Olivia Cook was in the movie more. She's uh, completely fine because, you know, the only thing is she disappears for, like, when you go into the second act. Yeah. And she appears right before the end of the third act. And maybe, you know, maybe that wouldn't have been a good choice if you think about it. But uh, just the fact that she just kind of dips for a while and then just comes back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do think that's the right choice because this is really a movie about the, um, uh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, Ruben. This is really yeah. about Ruben's journey, not, um, not his girlfriend's journey, as well as this was initially planned as a two part where we would get a sequel um, showing her side of events and I, I still really hope we get that 
Um, the other thing, I think that uh, Darius Martyr for sure um, deserved a Best Director nominee. I think he's awesome. Uh, he's yeah. doing some really creative things. Uh, overseeing the sound mixing in this movie. Again, oh, yes. Put it, Putting those those themes of addiction so prominently in there. Uh, this is this is a movie that I love to go back to. It's getting a Criterion release, and I am absolutely picking it up. Oh heck yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what, what would you give it like on a scale of one to ten? One to ten, uh, give it a high eight. Okay, could, I could easily see this being a nine or a ten for me. Just, you know, because of the editing alone, because of how great it is at keeping a focus on his perspective whenever he starts to lose his hearing. Great yep. sound mixing. But uh, again, that, that third act that kind of drags itself out kind of just damages it. Sure. Yeah, I'm going with a 9 out of 10. Firm. Nice. Um, just just that last 30 minutes, if, if it could have been shortened or condensed, or maybe just a little bit more interesting. Um, I love, I think the ending is beautiful. Um, him finally seeing that stillness that Paul Racy was talking about him finally experiencing the kingdom of God as, as Paul Racy says, uh, it's yeah. such a beautiful ending, but it just from the moment where he um, gets ex- exiled um, to that moment, just it, it, it takes a few too unnecessary and a few too drawn out and a few too almost random encounters uh, to get there. So yeah. Uh, Judas and the black Messiah. Uh, yeah, another great one that I'm I'm looking forward to rewatching. I forgot that HBO Max does the 30 days only thing because when I got back, I was like, I'm kind of interested in the second go, and then it wasn't there. I was like, ah, it sucks. Yeah, but uh, I well, really hey, like. By the time this episode drops, it will already be out on Blu-ray. So, oh heck yeah, it's not getting a 4K release though, and that makes me mad. This is a per- like a perfectly fine movie. I'm glad you know it got a best uh, picture nominee. The only issue, and I think we all kind of agree on this, is I am glad that both Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya got nominated. But the only thing I don't like is that it switches perspectives to where you know at the beginning, like it really wants to heavily focus on Lakeith Stanfield, and then it just becomes Daniel Kaluuya's movie. Mm-hmm. And I, that's not it's not terrible. It's just. Maybe it's something that I could definitely see aging better on, you know, reruns knowing that it's coming, but it's just something I didn't prefer. I just would have rather preferred Leaky Stanfield's character be more of a background one. Yep. Um, I'm almost vice versa. Um, I think I want to see more of that Leaky Stanfield role in terms of ratio. Uh, I want to see more of that Will O'Neill character. And uh, we t- we talked about it a lot after we watched this movie uh, on Friday night. And um, to me, this movie went down after watching it. Not much, but it did go down. I was probably at like an eight and a half and I'm at like a firm eight, maybe, you know, like a eight that could maybe one day be like a seven. I don't know. I just, um, yeah. this, this movie really kind of lacks direction. Um, I think it's directed really well. It's just, it lacks vision. Um, because like or or like it knows where it wants to go but it tries to cram in so much along the way and like, i think this works better as a mini series uh because of like this spans a long period of time so i think maybe this works better as a mini series or um or, or at least like maybe a little bit more longer of a movie more like a 3 hour epic instead of a uh, barely 2 hour maybe just slightly less than 2 hour movie that takes place like again over like 6 7 years uh I don't know. I just, I just feel like it, a lot of it felt so rushed, and I feel like you either need to cut elements out of the story, um, and sa- and sacrifice some parts that happen, um, 
you know, in, in favor of just being a little bit more cohesive and coherent. Uh, so this one definitely did go down for me, but I'm still, I'm still picking up the Blu-ray um, pretty quickly. Nice. Yeah. It's uh, I think I'm at like a high seven. Okay. Yeah. I'm at a firm eight. So yeah. That? Uh, and then we kicked off Saturday morning with Mank. Yeah. Uh, I, I, okay. So like, I don't love this movie, but if it makes sense, I love this movie just yeah. because of all the technical stuff. It's a, it's a great technical achievement. They've fully committed. I thought at first it was just going to be a gimmick. And then from the opening scene where the sound production's all there, where it's old, you know, old sound mixing and the score is made that way. And all the shots are old school and everyone's doing kind of like the overacting a little bit that you get from that era. Like, Everyone's like, okay, we're committed. We're doing this. And they, while it wouldn't, it clearly is not my pick for best picture. I completely understand why it got that nomination. And I am, it is a sloth, you know, it's slow for a long time in that movie, sadly, which is the only bore, you know, the bad part, but Gary Oldman, I I really like, he's, uh, he's grown on me more and more. I mean, I, that's weird to say, but like, I didn't notice how many movies he was in until, about like three years ago like well because like back in the day he was the johnny depp i mean you look at him in fifth element versus leon the professional i mean even like commissioner gordon like he's not a type of guy that cares about showing his face yeah and uh serious black is another right, surprising yes, one right serious black and you know he plays uh um churchill in in uh darkest hour darkest so, hour um yeah he's not a guy that is afraid to get kicked up so yeah and I almost didn't, because I almost didn't recognize him here as well until I went and uh, looked on my NDB. And I was like, you know what? The voice, that matches. That's exactly yep. who that is. But uh, yeah, just, I think, I think we're kind of on the same level there about how we love a lot of it, but it's just not our kind of movie. Yeah. The the way that I would describe this, the, my feelings on this movie are, it's an excellently made movie about a story that I just don't care about. So yeah. Uh, it, to me, it's just all about, I, I don't care about this character or this, this world. I, I don't care about the story that's being told. So it's really hard for me to engage in that, uh, in, in any sort of capacity. Cause I, I need a story to latch onto, or I need some compelling characters to just do a day in the life of, or something like that. And I, I just personally don't think this movie had any of that. So, um, I, I think it's technically brilliant. Um, it's hard to argue anything like that. So, um, yeah, I will, uh, that's 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 my feelings i'll go like uh again this is like a i gave it like a six out of ten um but that's about how much i enjoy it um on a technical standpoint this is brilliant yeah i'm a, i'm right with you six out of ten i might put this on again one day but just not anytime soon sure uh and then we'll move on to my favorite movie of 2020 trial of chicago seven Woohoo. Yeah, this is the one that you had seen. So, how was your how was your viewing different? Um, did you like it more? Did you like it less? Uh, did what did you notice differently about your second viewing? And kind of where did you land on it? I pretty much just ended up liking it a whole lot more, and it helped watching it with other people because we were all cracking up at the jokes. And I'm definitely because uh, I had mentioned that I'd only ever seen one other Aaron Sorkin movie, and that's the other one he directed, Molly's Game. So I'm really excited to go back and check out like Social Network and Moneyball. But uh, I really love the cast here. It's such a good dynamic between them all. And uh, the two standouts for me are clearly uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and 
Oh God, what's his name? He's a uh, Newt Scamander and Fantastic yeah, Beast. Redbane. Yeah, him. Uh, them back and forth. And then you get, uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael Keaton comes in from like out of nowhere mm-hmm. and steals a part of the movie himself. And, yeah, look, just, and if, you're, if you're talking about excellent performances, you can't leave out Mark Rylance. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Everyone, in my opinion, there's just not a week, like down to the judge. Down to, like, well, everyone's and just, Yaha Abdul-Mantid II, also yeah. incredible. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the, character, the actor playing the judge, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh is great um the uh, even the guy uh he played the zodiac pro- presumably zodiac killer in zodiac uh arthur leal no arthur leal's the, the guy there anyway um he plays david dellinger and he's great um i love uh i love the guy that plays um jerry um the you know pothead guy with uh yeah with sasha bear going and he's hilarious you know one one egg is an oof and they teach uh, that at the academy they teach that at the academy <laughs> uh you know i think you're right there's there's not a weak link here um um in in this whole cast uh it's it's so good so so good i can Um, understand why it didn't win best picture but i wanted it desperately it didn't win anything (laughs) yeah not a thing um i look it's i wonder look the academy and all of hollywood has recognized aaron sorkin as maybe the greatest screenplay writer of all time so like I kind of understand, like, sure, we're gonna like not necessarily gonna give him an Oscar for every single thing he does, and like, I'm personally happy that Promising Young Woman won, but like, dang, like, got nominated for I think editing, screenplay, um, supporting actor, and picture, and it walked away with nothing. And yeah, look, uh, probably, probably a week before the Oscars, I'd have said it's my pick for best picture. Um, I knew it was never gonna happen, uh, but I, I really love this movie and. Um, the only thing, this is my third time watching it. Um, I do think this movie is consistently as excellent, um, on rewatches. The only thing is just the last maybe five, 10 minutes are, um, just made for TV movie kind of stuff. Yeah. Kind of made for TV quality, specifically directing. Um, but it's such an achievement, such an accomplishment. And I really don't know how you end the movie differently given that same feeling. So, um, Yeah. yeah, uh, this is a 10 out of 10 for me. Excellent. Absolutely awesome. Same here. Uh, the only thing I want to close out with saying is just like, if you haven't seen trial of Chicago seven, this is the one on the list that I highly urge you to go see. Nice. Yeah. I mean, if, if I'm only going to recommend one, uh, I think this is an important enough story. Um, and based on a true story and, um, so relevant and excellently acted. Everything about this movie is just a masterpiece to me. So yeah, I think if you're only <laughs> going to make me recommend one, it's going to be this one. Yeah. Um, uh, and then Minari. This is look. This is my first time seeing Minari, and this is a movie that I just thought was it was fine, but I don't. Yeah. I I wouldn't give this a Best Picture nominee. I was surprised to find like I'm glad that Steven Young got that best actor nominee, mm-hmm. but I just don't understand why he was there because like he's not bad at all. Like, but it's just he doesn't do enough for me to you know warrant that yeah. nomination. I'm but again I'm just really thankful that you know he, well, now whenever he's a part of something, it's gonna say best actor nominee Steven Young. I totally agree with that sentiment, but especially you're talking the caliber of um, who else was in that category? That was Riz Ahmed. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins, uh, and Gary Oldman, and like, look, he's nowhere near the caliber of the rest of the the guys in the movies. Now, granted, he does not get as much to work with. Um, True. So, but yeah, I, I definitely, 
I can think of a couple. Kingsley Benadire from uh, One Night in Miami. I'd much rather have him have a nomination over Stephen Yun. Um, but uh, anyway, um, yeah, I just I don't know. I I thought this was a totally charming, clever, sweet, all American story, and uh, um, I just maybe don't understand the love and I think maybe some of that not understanding the love is because I heard nothing but praises for a month and I still really like this movie I'm definitely picking it up at some point I just uh um I don't I don't know how much I'll watch it yeah that's fair uh what was it called uh they had like a very religious neighbor I think his name was like what uh Paul or something yeah it was Paul yeah I as someone who's grown up in south alabama and knows a lot of religious nuts there is a lot of people i i know like five different pauls so they completely <laughs> got that aspect correct even for today yeah yeah <laughs> i yeah this is uh yeah and this by the way this movie is hilarious too yeah um specifically from the the grandmother she absolutely deserves that best supporting actress win um yeah for sure i think she's she's just so she's she's the most special part of this movie um, so I don't begrudge that at all. Um, I might still prefer, um, gosh, who else was, was, uh, was up, um, maybe, maybe Olivia Coleman for the father, uh, might, I think was a little bit more impactful for me. Um, I'm trying to remember, I cause I don't think a lot of them were in the best picture categories, the best supporting actors, but anyway, um, uh, aside from all that. Um, anyway, she's terrific. Uh, I, I gave Minari an eight out of ten. Yeah, so that's uh, that's exactly where I'm at. It's yeah. I, I, it's like you said, perfectly fine. Yeah, yep. Uh, and then we get to promising young woman. Um, this this is my second time seeing it. I I really love this movie. Um, this is my personal pick for what I wish won Best Picture. Yeah, uh, I'm bummed because I, I hate that I didn't love this movie as much as everybody else because it's definitely well made for the most part. Like I completely agree with that. Carrie Mulgan, Bo Burnham, doing great. Uh, yep. I there's a lot of good dialogue here that I really like. Mm-hmm. The thing, and again, I've only had this on one viewing so far, but the one thing that kind of just like I was at a high eight out of ten, and then i guess what i was expecting from the movie so is it okay we uh, talk about spoilers um or i'll keep it vague vague, very very vague vague. all right so there's a reveal that happens in this movie and uh so i don't mind the reveal and i was like okay we can do this have this reveal and go on to this next thing that's about to happen the next thing doesn't exactly happen it still finds a way to sort of happen by the time the credits roll where you know something good comes out of it but I was perfectly fine with the way that this movie was trying to tell itself where I kind of got that it was people in this world are terrible and mm-hmm. it's a sad world that we live in. And we try to do what we can to try to meet ends meet, you know, to kind of just balance things out and get closure and, you know, just do what we can to try to, in our own words, make things better when terrible things happen to other people that we know. And I thought that there was something kind of important there of just eventually accepting that you can't always be in control of terrible things that's going to happen in this world and moving on, which I I feel like people are going to almost say like, oh, so just let bad things happen. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) What I'm saying is, is that like, it's a really powerful thing of acceptance when things are terrible 
And that's what I was ready for. And it just kept going in this direction that just did not satisfy what I was appetizing. And, but all in all, I, I, I'm not going to say this is a bad movie. Uh, I'm, I am excited to eventually rewatch this one. Cause this one I could totally flip on. I could totally see myself, but I just thought that was more of a powerful approach. And yeah, that's yeah. all I got. Uh, I'll just say, um, I was kind of where you are at my first viewing early January. I, I really think that you're going to have the same experience with I, as I did. Um, uh, and I hope you do. Um, uh, I think this movie is brilliant. I think it's excellent. Um, I think it's so important. It's so relevant. Uh, it's, uh, it is absolutely worthy of a Best Picture nominee. Again, I wanted it to win this year. It would have been my per- my personal pick for uh, for Best Picture. Um, the only thing is on rewatching it, it doesn't quite have the... Uh, some of the tense scenes are... Yeah. Because you know the outcome are less tense... Uh, but I think the rest of the movie is amplified um, in its message and its consistency in the way it's directed. You notice a lot more um, kind of knowing where the story is going. So those small pockets of intense scenes are still kind of tense. But when you know how they play out, um, they're, they're, they're less so. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I love this movie. Um, I grabbed uh, the... Um, Dicer likes to give partying gifts when people come over to his house. And a lot of times that's the things that he gets from the million boxes of screeners that he gets. So um, he said, grab a screenplay. And I saw Promising a Woman and I was like, heck yeah. And nice. so uh, that is the one I have at my home. You picked um, Malcolm and Marie. Malcolm and Marie. That's right. Yeah. I still haven't seen it or read it, but I'm excited to. Man, that's what it, that's a good screenplay to pick up. Because that movie is all dialogue. Yeah. So cool. Um, then the father. Um, I have pretty similar feelings as I do in Minari. Uh, I think Hopkins is excellent. I think Coleman is excellent. I even think the guy that plays Moriarty and Sherlock is great. Um, uh, Rupert Evans, whatever. Um, no, I Mark Gaddis. Mark Gaddis. Okay. No, the other guy, uh, Rupert Evans. I think. Um, some anyway. Um, I think he's good. Um, probably a career best for him. Um, and the 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 aide, um, the one that reminds him of the daughter. I don't know the actress name. I thought she was Imogene Poots. Okay, sure. <laughs> no, that's her name. <laughs> okay, yeah. I I, th- I think she's excellent. Um, yeah. Too. Uh, this is a very well acted movie. I think this is really smartly written. Um, this should have won the Oscar for best film editing. Um, absolutely. I think some people just thought it was confusing, but that's the point. Um, yeah. You're supposed to experience that with him. I think it's just brilliant editing. Um, I I don't know. I just um, Hop- Hopkins is great. Coleman's great. Um, Every, a lot of things about this movie are great. I I just maybe didn't love it as much as everybody else did. Um, I, can I, wasn't, I wasn't as invested. Yeah, I can definitely see this hitting people harder if they've gone through this with a family member. Because like uh, one of the critics I follow, Chris Stuckman, said that this was that was his favorite movie of yeah. 2020, and it was like because he went through it. And he's like, and I never plan to watch this movie again. And I was like, okay, I completely. Understand. Sure, sure, yeah, and I, you know, I've I've had relatives that have had, you know, similar uh, issues. I've just been fortunate enough to have been slightly removed from those situations, um, to not have to deal with them as much. And I, 
I don't I don't doubt at all that so much of this movie is experience uh, and and what you bring to the table. But um, I still think there's a great story here, uh, and uh, I think this is absolutely a movie that's um, really worth checking out um, for lots of reasons. But I, I don't know, I just wasn't quite as high on it um, uh, as, yeah. as I think most people are. So uh, I hope that changes with rewatches. I really want to love this movie. Same here. So, um, you said the you said this was your favorite uh, as we left, right? No, no, no. The uh, Sound of Metal. Okay, I know Frank said Sound of Metal was his favorite. I just I think I thought I heard you say the father, oh, or maybe maybe uh, Frank changed to the father. It was it was Sound of Metal for a long time. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, and then last but not least, Best Picture winner Nomadland. That's the one we ended on. Um, this is my second watching, and boy, I gotta tell you, I really didn't like this movie very much on the second watch. Um, I, I thought there was a fine experience the first time. Um, I honestly don't know that I'll ever watch this one again. Um, I think it's brilliantly directed by Chloe Zhao. Uh, I think Frances McDormand is great. I personally would have preferred Carrie Mulligan to win the Oscar. Um, and uh, I, I think there's so much to admire, again, about the way this film is made. Um, I just, I don't know. It's, it's an experiential film. And you watch it for the experience and I don't know. It's, it's almost one of those like, Oh, I've had the experience. And so I don't know, maybe I'd check it out in 10 years, but probably not before then, you know? So this is a weird question, but uh, so like the Academy is made up of people uh, that are, you know, obviously very wealthy, right? If I, if I got that right. Um, like people who are making these decisions. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that's the case anymore. Well, I don't know who, uh, is in charge. Like, I'm not going to blame this on, you know, the people that are voting, but like, if you look at the track record, a lot of these movies that end up winning best picture, sometimes it's usually like about people from like lower classes. And I'm just thinking like, do the people at the Academy, cause they're just so used to sometimes a high lifestyle. They think that the lower class experience and showing how hard it is, is what makes it worthy of best picture. Cause a lot of people just, you know, <laughs> A lot of people have taken trips like this before and i don't know if that if that makes sense if that factors in to their vote um let's see uh the academy so the academy is made up it looks like uh 9300 people now i know they expanded it quite a bit uh, but it's made up of people who work in the industry whether it's actors directors um costume designers so it's it's people in the industry who um who vote on the best movie of the year. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, and certain people vote for certain things like, you know, um, the, you vote based off your expertise. So like costume designer, um, isn't going to vote for best director. Um, everybody votes on best picture, but, um, uh, there's typically special committees that are assigned. Um, so, um, it's, it is just by um, by percentage on which which wins that award from whichever committee. Um, I don't, to answer your question about that, I don't know. Um, I feel like there's a lot of people in Hollywood that do come from, um, you know, uh, lower class experience. But I, there's just as many that come from upper class. And I don't know. I just I, I feel like this is such a beautifully made movie and it's it's really not like much that I've seen before. 
um, something about this feels so raw and authentic and really captures the moment. I, I, I don't know. I, th- I, like, I understand why they picked it to win the best picture, but to me, um, I legitimately think um, that the only film I would put beneath this in terms of what I would vote for would be Minari. Um, I think Mank is a better technical achievement, uh, which is not not trying to disparage uh, Nomadland at all. But I think between performances like The Father is a better experience. Between like impact and acting, Judas and the Black Messiah, I would take Sound of Metal, just all around stuff. Trial of Chicago Seven is a better movie to me. Promising Young Woman. I just I don't know. I just uh, I think technical achievement would merit to get it just above Minari, and that's. That's about it. I don't. I don't want to vote a movie based off of how well it's made. I want to base a movie based off of its overall. How much do I love it, and for what reasons? Yeah. So, um, I don't know the answer to your question. Um, but I don't. Maybe it's because there's something different, right? Like maybe it's because they never got to experience nomad life. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. I'm not going to speak on behalf of nine thousand three hundred people. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. That's just something I've always wondered because me and uh, Frank, we was talking the other day about like the best picture nominees over the past decade. And usually, at least in the past decade, these movies that went best picture, either nobody talks about them or they're, you know, an experience kind of thing that, you know, your upper class kind of person isn't used to like, like Parasite last year, which that one I do think is very well like that one earned that completely, sure. but there was kind of like a theme we kind of picked up on there. I just wanted to know if I felt like I was alone on that. I look, I don't agree with the theme uh, that you mentioned uh, about a bunch of people in like lower class. Now I think there are some of the nominees tend to be that way. Like um, sure. No mad land was that one this year, but last year you take like little women is about a relatively poor family. Um, you know, 1917 is just a couple nobodies nobodies uh, who wound up doing something big. Um, 2018 you have uh, I think Roma was about a pretty wealthy family wasn't it but in a pretty uh, poor country um, if Aaron Dicer is listening I'm sorry I have no <laughs> I plans to watch that movie I'm, I apologize well and, and we talked you know, I haven't seen Green Book but you mentioned uh, things um, yeah I, I mean three billboards outside of Missouri kind of kind of that way uh, again, yeah. a nominee, not a winner. Shape of Water won that year. Uh, Moonlight uh, winning. I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen that one. Uh, I think. I mean, Fences is, I think, supposed to be a pretty rural, um, low, low income area. Um, Lion has elements of that. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of disagree. I mean, you look at at least some of the winners. I mean. Gosh, I mean, look at it the last 10 years. King's Speech, The Artist, Argo, 12 Years a Slave, Birdman, Spotlight, Moonlight, Shape of Water, Green Book, Parasite. Now, I think Plus, Shape, I think Shape of Water guess. was a... Uh, I think that one was a... Let's give Guillermo del Toro his Oscar, finally. And I really like Shape of Water. Um, but a lot of these are... I think what's an important story? Um, I, th- I think, especially from 2012 on, because 2010 and 11, we get the King's Speech and The Artist, which are definitely some of those, like... Look, Inception, a social network, should have beat King's Speech. And, you know, uh, I guess 2011 didn't have... Oh, Moneyball should have won, for sure, 2011. Um, so, uh, yeah. I, I feel like once you get to 2012, you get Argo, 12 Years of Slave. It's like the powerful stories. Um, 
that are excellently crafted. Well, not just that, but the other thing I was saying is like, I just think that recently, like, because there are definitely some good ones in the past decade, but a half of them, at least, at least from my perspective, I feel like are just ones that nobody, nobody really talks about. I don't hear anybody talking about Spotlight or Birdman. Oh, like, those are good movies, but yeah. what I'm saying is, it's like, I don't know, it's just stuff that I never hear anybody talk about. And I think that's why viewership keeps going down, because they kind of, I don't know, I, I just personally think that the Academy is just kind of getting worse with their picks as they go along. Well, and when's the last time you heard somebody talk about Green, Bur- Green Book that wasn't in the context of how did this win Best Picture? Yeah, that um, never. I mean, look, Parasite is absolutely the ex- exception to that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't heard people talk about Shape of Water, but I don't really yeah. hear people talk about anything from that year except for Get Out. Yeah. Um, uh, which is, there's a good stuff that year. Uh, yo, La La Land should have won 2016. Arrival, I would have taken. Arrival was excellent. Um, you know, I'd take either of those. People still talk about those Hacksaw Ridge, uh, not so much Manchester by the Sea. Um, I love Spotlight and people that are not talking about that anymore. Just, you know, <laughs> wrong. That's an excellent yeah. movie. But, I mean, yeah, Mad Rack Fairy Road, The Martian, people still talk about that one quite a bit. And, yeah, I don't I don't know the last time I heard anybody mention Boyhood or uh, not Boyhood, uh, Birdman. Uh, yeah. That should have been Whiplash, man. Yeah, that's just that's just all I'm saying is like I just I just feel like they're hit they're missing the mark recently. Uh I I don't know how much I agree with that. Um cuz at, at the end of the day, look, the Academy is not for the everyman. The Oscars are not for the everyman. Um you know, that's the MTV Movie Awards. Um <laughs> like all right, because like if let's just say that the Academy Awards were, weren't a thing, like how many people do you really think are watching Sound of Metal? And no, nobody except people that are watching movies. And 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 Minari, and definitely Mank, and yeah. uh, and the Father, and definitely Nomadland, and like quite honestly, probably Judas and the Black Messiah, and Promising a Woman as well. Yeah. Maybe true. Like literally, almost all of these. <laughs> Exactly. That's why my mom, uh, she was like, I couldn't even finish the Oscars because I had no idea what these movies were. But legitimately, these are eight of the best movies this year, this past yeah. year. Um, same with last year. You know, Parasite, 1917, Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, who who was watching uh, Marriage Story, right? Except for film people. Um, yeah. Definitely Parasite, uh, or people that accidentally stumbled on Marriage Story thinking it was a rock well. Rock. P- the people that I know that watched Marriage Story were the ones that were making all the TikTok memes about uh, the Adam Driver rant where he punches the hole in the wall don't because you, don't that was a huge, me and my father. Yeah, that was a huge like TikTok meme for a, yeah. for a full month, so it, it got some uh, some recognition there. Right. Well, you look at 2018 and like who the heck is watching The Favorite or Roma except for film people? So like. I, don't, no. I, I feel like it's just these aren't made for the everyman uh, no. and and that's totally fine um i'm okay if the academy wants to just be like no no no. like look, look nomadland deserves to be in the conversation regardless on you know how much people are talking about it you know um you know, it, it, at the start of 2020 i couldn't have told you any of these movies except for trial of chicago 7 had no idea about any of these movies except for trial of chicago 7 uh, and that's a good thing. Yeah. So, uh, and so uh, that, that kind of wraps up the B plot then. So, uh, 
uh, Alex, uh, let's do the spinoff real quick so we can we can wrap up here. What's that one thing in pop culture that you want to tell everybody to watch or to avoid? So uh, last week we had the Mortal Kombat movie come out. People are mm-hmm. kind of mixed on it. You know, people either seem to enjoy it or not like it. The more time goes on for me, the more I haven't been liking it. So I went back and rewatched the animated uh, Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge, which came out last year. And I, I personally think that's the best adaptation of a story that Mortal Kombat has had so far that has not been in a video game. The animation is done by the same studio who does all the DC animated properties. And it, I'm not sure if it qualifies as anime, but like the motion and everything feels like it's an anime. The voice cast, everyone plays their characters so perfect. So if you were somebody that stumbled upon the Mortal Kombat movie that came out last week and you you know nothing about the games and you were like, there's some stuff that I was interested by and you're slightly interested. This is the number two thing that I recommend that you go to is check out Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. Totally underrated. I hear nobody talk about it. And that's just something I want to push it out there. Cool. Yeah, I mean, you were talking so highly about it last week. I added it to my list. It's streaming on HBO Max, by the way, if you're interested. Nice. Um, so check that out. All actually, like literally everything Mortal Kombat that's ever come out is streaming on HBO Max. So um, just avoid the you know the '90s movies. They're terrible. Um, <laughs> but, um, all right, Alex. Uh, do you want me to recommend something to warn something, or kind of a bit of both? Bit of both. I like bit of both. All right. Um, all right. So, so now is my chance to talk about without remorse. Um, <laughs> I wrote the review for a So you can check out my full review there. All I will say is, um, look, there are worse ways to spend two hours. Um, uh, this movie is absolutely nothing like its source material, which is a shame. Um, and I, I hope that the, in the future, they, they change that, um, and make it more, more aligned with the source. Um, I think Michael B. Jordan and the director Stefan Salima are uh, are both standouts here. This is the most vanilla Taylor Sheridan script there's ever been. Um, it's it's got some really good action, some some tense scenes specifically. There's a standoff scene with a sniper that's really good. Um, the 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 story, the plot, not only is it nothing like the book, but it's kind of super predictable. But like I'm saying, like there are worse ways to spend your time. Um, if you don't mind a little bit of like, yeah, I've seen this before. 30 times uh if you don't mind um a little bit of like uh getting through some crap and some predictability to get to what i think is a pretty great performance um you should give it a shot and at the very least you should give it a shot because um they initially announced plans to make rainbow six and i so badly need a rainbow six movie in my life and (laughs) i just need people to watch without remorse so that they green light um rainbow six right i mean it was already announced but like need them to start production on it so um like there this isn't a high recommend this isn't warning you away from it this is just saying like look there are worse ways to spend two hours and you might have a good time so uh we'll we'll leave it at that uh streaming on prime by the way amazon prime amazon original movie so because they bought it up during covid so on that note, that's a wrap. Quick reminder to Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. And if you're interested in writing for SifPop.com, as always, um, you can get in contact with me 
Um, you can also get in contact with me to uh, send us a question to explore during the B plot. Either of those would be awesome. Uh, email us at writersroom at sifpop.com or you can get in contact with us uh, at on the Twitter handle at sifpop uh, or my Twitter handle at Schweitcastle. And also you can do Schweitcastle on Letterboxd. Um, and while you're doing things, please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps out the show. Um, five-star reviews preferred. <laughs> but give me an honest rating. I'd rather have an honest rating than uh, you know than a promoted thing. So, uh, so please stop by and do that. But that's all the ways you can connect with me and the show. Alex, where do you want to send people to? Uh, the number one place uh, that I can just say go check me out is on Twitter at AlexMixVids. And... Uh, I was going to promote my YouTube, but just go to the YouTube link from there because I'm soon rebranding. And I just think that's the easiest way if you want to check out what I'm doing. Cool. Awesome. Well, hey, as always, it's been great talking to you. Uh, really enjoyed our, our conversation today. Um, Me too. Good. And uh, and we'll have to do it again sometime. So uh, I'll hit you up again when the new schedule comes out and we'll, uh, we'll schedule a time to talk. Hopefully not about Shrek 3, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh in the meantime uh that that's gonna do it for us this week because uh, uh you got a spiral review to write so you gotta go see that and write that i was uh, fist pumping the air but i realized you couldn't see that <laughs> <laughs> and definitely people listening can't hear that so <laughs> that feels like a good place to end this <laughs>